As a busy executive, do you find yourself completely spent at the end of the day? Are you struggling just to find the energy to keep going, let alone work out, spend time with family, and maybe get a little bit of downtime? If so, you aren't alone. 2022 stats show that 35.6% of CEOs are burnt out from long work days. 39% say shorter work days could alleviate their burnout. 47.5% of CEOs are burned out from a lack of work-life balance or not having enough time off. And finally, 57.6% say that work-life balance could alleviate their burnout. Harvard Business Review reports that over half, about 53% of all managers today are burned out. Overweight, out of shape, and burned out is not a great recipe for life fulfillment. The guest is Molly Van Marth. The topic, you can lose weight as a busy man and a busy executive. The disruption, it's easier than you think. Welcome to The Evolved Man, where we are at war with the mediocrity of modern man. The Evolved Man is for men like you who are willing to be open, vulnerable, and aggressive learners. Men who are not afraid to disrupt and change. It's time we ditch the current conventional idea that we devolve with age, that the dad bod is our destiny, and that the glory days are behind us. Your best isn't behind you, and I'm here to provide you with practical tools, a few tips and tricks, and everyday wisdom to help you evolve into your highest form. Strong, lean, smart, educated, and emotionally intelligent. Now, let's go to war. Welcome back to The Evolved Man, where we are at war with the mediocrity of modern man. Before we get started, I want to thank our sponsor, Med One Capital, for sponsoring The Evolved Man. We appreciate all the support. The Med One Group exists for the sole purpose of making needed medical equipment available for the healthcare industry. You can find more information out at medonegroup.com. Have you ever had a complete breakdown? I'm talking to the point where you were so exhausted in life that you could felt like you could sleep for weeks on end. You look down and realize that your body was fat and it didn't represent what was inside of you. Well, I have. A few years back, I was working four different roles with my company, traveling a lot, and I just hit a wall that I couldn't break through. I realized I was about 25 pounds overweight, low energy, painful joints, and I had done just about everything I could to crash my metabolism, wreck my hormones, and make myself look like and feel like a piece of trash. Now, guys, if you haven't listened to episode 65 with Molly Van Marth, i.e. Molly Makes Muscle, please go do so after this episode. Molly shares her insightful journey in the health and fitness space. And uh, honestly, it's still one of my favorite all-time chats. Molly, welcome back. Thanks for having me back. Excited to be here. So great to have you back. Um, you've never heard a story like mine, right? Of being overweight and tired and exhausted. I know that I'm the only man out there that's ever been like never. that. Thank you. Yes. It's rare. It's rare. No, I feel special today. <laughs> Mission accomplished. Yeah. Unfortunately, I think, uh, yeah. And there's other stats too, actually. I think it's 60 something percent of executives are overweight. And then another percentage on top of that are obese. Yeah. So problem. And that's, you know, I think one of the biggest things with executives is it's so, it is so polar opposite their, their values and their personality traits that it's not just physically a problem, but 
it becomes an identity problem too. It really is an identity problem. When you think about that in life, we've got internal struggles. We've got external struggles. We've got philosophical struggles. And I think one of the things is that when you look in the mirror and you are a high performing, high demanding type person, and what is staring back at you are, uh, as I call it, a, you've got Dunlop's disease where your, your belly Dunlop's over your belt buckle. So you can't see, uh, and you got, uh, you know, all the signs of just, you're not healthy. There, it, it's not just that you have this physical issue, but you are now running into this philosophical issue that says, you know what, I'm, I'm demanding so many things out of myself and, and others around me, and yet I'm not doing it. I'm not <laughs> holding myself to this high standard and this accountability with my overall health and fitness. Why is this such a problem for men and for executives? I mean, it almost falls in line with like how important mindset is, right? And I'll have people, someone recently comment on my Instagram and was, was fighting me on this one, but they were saying like, you know, mindset you gotta is- gotta love a good Instagram fight. Right. It was like one of those, yeah, I was like, oh my gosh, I'm in, I'm in one of those battles. Um, yeah. They were saying how like mindset is the most important thing and like getting into shape is solely about mindset. Mm. And I was really fighting them on that um, because a lot of these executives have the mindset down. I mean- right. The, right. The, the definition of what they do every day at work, they have very strong mindsets. These are, you know, strong-willed, hardworking, reliable, consistent people. These people don't really struggle with consistency in terms of like a mindset issue. They're not weak, yep. right? Yeah. Um, so that isn't a problem. However, when we look at your the your physical condition and your mindset. If we think that reading books and having quotes up on the wall and saying affirmation, like if we're deciding that those things affect your mindset, like in a positive way, if you're focusing on the right things, then how much more is what you're saying, literally what you just said, what you're seeing in the mirror affecting your mindset too. Like right. that is, right. you're getting some kind of message back every time you look in the mirror. So like, what, what is the mirror saying when you look into it, you know? So, um, first of all, I think mindset is absolutely affected. And I know because I talk, I mean, I have a stack of papers, you know, I take notes every time I talk to another potential client and I hear their story and, uh, top of the list is, you know, is self-respect. It's, you know, it's something that does affect their self-image because, and it should, right. What you see in the mirror, absolutely. Yeah. It's, it's important. Um, it just, does. And that's the thing people want to argue that it doesn't. Yeah, no, that's ridiculous. Yeah, it's so silly that it doesn't. I had a client recently. I love how you say that, that you've got this stack of stuff when you talk to clients. It reminds me of a conversation I had with a client the other day. He had just finished our 16-week program. And I said, tell me what the biggest mindset shift was for you. And he says, you know what? One day, I just looked at myself in the mirror when I was at the gym, and I realized that I there's nobody better than me. No one is better than me. He goes, I don't, I don't mean that in some sort of egotistical way. He goes, getting in great shape just made me realize that I would play small when I would go into certain meetings. I would play when I'm around certain people in my community or in my business, I would play smaller than what I am. And he goes, it hit me one day when I saw the, the deltoids were now shaped and, and the striations were in there, that there's no one better than me. He goes, that doesn't mean I think I'm better than another human being, but I'm also not worse. And I can be confident going into a space and feel completely comfortable. With the changes and the transformations, Molly, that you 
are able to craft and, and create with your with your men, with your busy executives. What do you see as the biggest mindset shift? I think the biggest the biggest thing that they're maybe surprised by and that they're happy to discover is that it doesn't require more time. Oh, I love that. Because a lot of times when I talk to, you know, when I get a new client and start working with them, we talk about what they're doing currently. Before I go changing anything, I talk about their current diet and their current workout routine. And nine times out of 10, these guys are already working out frequently, regularly. Uh, many of them too much. Mm. A lot of times I will drop them down from a five to seven day a week, you know, activity or workout schedule down to four days a week, four organized workouts per week, and they get better results. Um, because food, uh, because it's strategic. Instead of doing more things that have a low impact on their overall shape, we're doing. I'm seeing what they're doing wrong. I'm essentially seeing what are the biggest mistakes that they're doing with workouts. What are the biggest mistakes that they're doing with their diet? We're fixing those things. And then I also know that there are a few high impact shifts that you have to make with exercise that you have to make with diet. And once you execute those, you see great results. And most most people aren't doing the big important things. And so. I think that's something that they're happy to discover is that, you know, just like with business, right? And I think that sometimes when I make this analogy, they they understand what the shift needs to be, but it would almost be like, like when you're working out seven days a week and you're dieting really hard and you're not seeing results, it would be like running a business and losing money, having that business fail yeah. and basically going, well, you know, all my employees are showing up every day. Everyone's working really hard. Like this must be all that it takes. No, it's not just showing up to work. It's doing the right work. Huge difference between a business that is just functioning where people are showing up and checking some emails versus a business with a business plan, clear deadlines. Uh, you know, each person has their task that they need to execute. And uh, yeah, and it's it's similar to having an intelligently designed fitness plan, you know, in place. Now, each one of these men, these executives that you're working with, they do have a strong mindset. It reminds me of a a conversation I had with a client this morning when he was talking about a big deal that he had just closed and then the revenue that they're looking at for this quarter. I mean, they're talking hundreds of millions of dollars. And he looks at me and goes, you know, that's kind of serious stuff. <laughs> I laughed. I said, yeah, it is pretty serious stuff. So the weight that's on his mind of dealing with this new integration and, you know, how do they expand these, uh, some of these verticals and these revenue streams, the the mind is taxed on a regular basis. Given that with most executives, how do you make the process simple enough for them to make the shift and move in the right direction? Mm -hmm, definitely. So first of all, it's not the same for everybody. Like one of the first things I do, if we're talking about nutrition, we'll just talk about nutrition for a second. Before I tell them to change anything, and instead of giving them some kind of generic meal plan where it's like, all right, you got to eat this for breakfast, this for your snack, this for lunch, you know what I mean? Where you've got eight, eight small meals, right? The bodybuilding, eight small meals. Yeah. Do anything. I have them track their food passively. I do a nutrition audit where they track their food for five days. And that way I can see what the, again, what the big things are that they're doing wrong, like a hole in their bucket, right? Yeah. Yeah. That's why having to work so hard is because essentially they're doing a few things that are throwing their body out of whack, making them gain weight, making them lose muscle. And so before I do anything, I see what those things are. That is the first step. Next step is 
doing some basic things that will give them an advantage for losing body fat and gaining or retaining lean muscle. When it comes to like these, the transformation most people are looking for that I end up working with is losing weight, but also toning up. So a lot of times they want that fit athletic look, and that's really different than losing weight and becoming skinny fat. A lot of times when people lose weight on their own, they go to drastic calorie cutting, they lose weight, but they also lose muscle. Yep. Their metabolism is lowered. They lose their shape because they've lost muscle. So they're weaker, lower metabolism. Uh, yeah, maybe the scale has gone down a little bit, but they don't even look any better, right? Also, that's a huge issue because now that they've lost muscle, they're burning fewer calories. And so gaining weight becomes much easier. Your caloric yeah. burn per day that you have to, you know, your caloric calorie level each day is lower. And so if you go over that calorie level, you gain weight. And that's why rebound weight gain is so rapid for people because they've lost muscle and now they're they're burning less at rest. Um, anyway, all that to say, um, yeah, after correcting the big things that are off, we actually target hunger. We go for lowering hunger before we approach anything else. So instead of me telling them, oh, like don't eat you know, chips, don't eat bread, don't eat sugar. Instead of telling them don't eat 30 things, we go for lowering their hunger levels by increasing things like protein and fiber. Protein is honestly one of the biggest weapons that people really miss out on when it comes to fat loss and effective and efficient fat loss, because it is so powerful in, in lowering body fat for a lot of reasons. But, um, one of the biggest mechanisms that is at play there is, is by the way that it lowers hunger. Your ghrelin, ghrelin is your hunger hormone, but right. you eat more protein, ghrelin lowers. So ghrelin and protein are inversely related. It's important for people to understand that, even though that sounds like maybe people haven't heard of that before. It's important to understand that concept because when you have dieted for a long time, so if you've cut calories for a while, you know, if you're in the process of weight loss and you've been cutting calories and you've lost body fat, ghrelin is inversely related to body fat. So if you've lost body fat, your body will naturally make ghrelin rise in order to hopefully maintain your body fat. Obviously our bodies don't want to lose body fat because of survival mechanisms that are built in. Yeah. So what people aren't aware of, and this is what creates rebound weight gain. That's what creates the U-turn, right? Like most people can lose some weight and then they regain it. Over 95% of people regain the weight and then some. Yeah, so, just J-curves right back up. Yeah, weight loss yeah. is not rare. Sustained weight loss is extremely rare. So right. what people aren't realizing is that, yes, pretty much anything, you cut your calories, try any diet, you'll lose a few pounds. If you are not addressing hunger, you will regain that weight and then some. Um, and that's because of ghrelin. So that's just a very basic, that is why so many people fail. And so when I take someone through the process, we're aware, okay, you're going to lose weight. That's great. But also we know that your hunger is going to rise because of ghrelin. We're going to put things in place so that we can override that survival, survival mechanism that's built in. And so I get them used to eating optimal amounts of protein. And that's the other thing is, you know, sometimes I'll be like, well, take a look at your protein and people are like, Oh, I eat a lot of protein. You eat some protein. Yeah. You <laughs> don't you're need not a lot. Your, your body weight in grams of protein per day. You're not eating enough. Um, at some point, can you, can you eventually eat a little bit less than that and, and look great and stay in great shape? Sure. But don't we want to get this done as fast as possible? And don't you want to be, don't you want your hunger to be low? Yes. So if we're talking about effective fat loss and efficient fat loss and also fat loss where you're not absolutely starving, really hitting protein goals is essential. And, um, and I also have a, a process for that so that they know how to do that at their house. They know how to do that if they're, if they're at a conference, if they're eating out of a hotel for a week, um, they know how to do that if they're at a, you know, steak dinner with their team. So, uh, yeah, it's, it's going for the big, 
the things that really move the needle and then also giving them tools and techniques to be able to execute those things in the context of their crazy lifestyles. A lot of guys will, if we, you know, hormones are talked about in the media nonstop nowadays and people are looking for hormone replacement. They're talking about hormones. Uh, I've got to get on my testosterone, but from my perspective, we're looking at it the wrong way. You just hit the nail on the head. Leptin and ghrelin are probably the two most important hormones that men need to be paying attention to before you even start to tap into uh, anything else. Looking at your testosterone, how is your estrogen, all of those things. If you are not balanced with your leptin and ghrelin, you will not have sustained weight loss and sustained muscle preservation. Those are the two pieces. If leptin and ghrelin are off, you're fighting an uphill battle right? You're hungry all the time. You're not satisfied and you will consistently do this yo-yo thing. I had a really cool experience, uh, cool, funny, all at the same time recently, I was in Chicago and I go downstairs, I'm working out and within about five, 10 minutes, a couple of different people walk in. And on one end was this extremely obese man. And on the other end was this extremely skinny man. And both of them go over, and it was almost like they were both fighting for the five-pound dumbbells. And they were doing the same, you know, herky-jerky, high-repetition thing with five-pound dumbbells. And I'm over doing my pull-ups, and I've got a 25 or 30-pound dumbbell, uh, you know, between my legs as I'm doing my pull-ups. And I just look over, and I'm like, oh, this is just a time machine. The guy that is skinny right now doing the five-pound high-rep stuff eventually will be the guy that is overweight doing the five pound high rep stuff because they're not paying attention to the development of muscle. Talk more about why muscle is so critical to long-term success. Definitely. I mean, again, yeah, the, the biggest danger with not optimizing for at least muscle retention, um, but ideally muscle growth yeah. while losing weight is, is that fact where if you lose weight without optimizing for retaining muscle, you're, you'll lose weight, the scale will go down. But again, when you're losing muscle, the, the biggest problem is that you lose strength, which is not good as you age. Like no, no. naturally, you know, testosterone does, does drop by 1% each year after the age of 30 for guys. Yep. Um, and women are certainly at risk for losing muscle as well as, as we age. And so if you're not- but that study also that shows that, that study, I want to make sure we note this, that that only is for the average person. That is not for the person that strength trains. So anybody listening to this says, oh yeah, it drops. Well, not necessarily. If you are strength training and you are have your life optimized, like we're talking about, that doesn't necessarily need to be you. I can say that right now, 47 years old, my testosterone, as I've had it checked, is higher than it was when I was in my 30s. Wow. And I am not taking anything. I mean, <laughs> I, sure, supplements, right? I'll take um, Tonga Ali. I'll take uh, ginseng. I've got a few things that I do to optimize that. But this is primarily nu nutrition, sunshine, and sleep. So that's it. Gosh, that's such a good topic because so many like TRT. So here, here is my take on TRT with my experience with, with my clients and also just knowing people who have gone through the journey of not have, not being on it and then being on it. Yeah. The biggest, first of all, a lot of guys, you, you see a super fit guy in the gym. He may be on it. Mm -hmm. You see a super out of shape guy in the gym. He may be on it too. Yeah. Yeah. It does not determine, first of all, getting on TRT is not going to like magically make you in shape. It just no. won't. Um, you'd be just as out of shape on it 
as someone who's really in shape on it, right? Uh, the biggest problem is that I think guys start with that instead yes. of assuming that it's going to take you from, you know, 20% great to 100% great instead of optimizing their lifestyle. So like, are you eating intelligently? Are you training intelligently? You, and starting there, that will get you, you know, maybe 80 to 90% of the way. Then let's say there are some people where genuine, there are some people where their levels are not optimal. I've seen it, right? Where guys are truly doing everything right. Yep. Their levels yep. are really crap. And mm -hmm. I know that to get that last five to 10%, it's worth doing with a doctor who is, who is wise with their approach, right? Yep. Agreed. But I would say probably 90% of people that hop on it are not even doing half of what they could be with diet and exercise. And they will never get into optimal shape until they do that. You can't avoid that. Nothing you do uh, can avoid that. And I think we need to talk about this epic too. Now that we are like on the tangent of like trying to jump to the end. I don't know if you have any. No, no, no. Yeah, let's, I, I agree. So this idea of like shortcutting, right? This idea of let's jump there. You, if you start on TRT, you start at the wrong direction uh, without addressing some of the basic issues. You're just trying to shortcut something. It's not going to turn you from Dilbert into Superman, right? There's no way. You've got to optimize and you have to, you've got to do the things that get you the results first. And then if you get to the point where you've done everything, um, you know, and, and everything is not what most people think is everything. Because I I can, I hear people say, oh, I've done everything. No, you haven't. Like, let your coach tell you when you've done everything. When, then when you've done everything, then it's time to get in with the doctor and say, okay, now I need some uh, some help here. I want to jump in, Molly. And I think like we talked about at the beginning, we want to debunk some of these myths. Some of the things that are out there. First one that I want to tap into, because you brought this up, is the maintain muscle or at least, or build muscle, right? Let's debunk this whole idea that somehow... If I'm in my 30s or 40s or 50s, if I start lifting weights, that that, that somehow I'm going to just automatically turn into Arnold Schwarzenegger. Yeah, I, had, I had a guy tell me that the other day. He was like, okay, I'm open to this. Like the plan sounds good, but I just don't want to look like those meatheads in the gym, right? Yeah, good. You're not um, going to. Let's, let's talk about, okay, let's talk about body composition and what what creates what, right? Because- here are kind of the different scenarios. Either you are underweight and you have very little muscle. So that's like the skinny yep. quadrant, right? Yep. Underweight or a normal weight and no muscle, right? Skinny fat. And then we have, and that's easy to do. Also, that's easy to end up there. Like we said, with, with when you lose weight the wrong way and you just cut calories and you don't optimize for muscle retention, you're going to end up skinny fat. Yep. Not uh, weaker, lower metabolism, like lower, you know, daily burn with calories, uh, high chance of rebound weight gain. Right. About and then you have the other side of the spectrum. And a lot of times when guys start lifting weights, this is what they get worried about. You have the bulky fluffy. And I have been there. I have been 30 pounds under where I am today and also 25 pounds in, you know, overweight yeah. from where. So I know that fear of lifting weights. Great. I'm really strong. I love this, but like, also I'm bulky and fluffy. Okay. Mm. So, and that is when you gain weight, you gain strength, you gain muscle, but you also did it too fast in the wrong ways. And now you have body fat on top of it. So then you yeah. have like muscular build with body fat on top of it. You don't have definition and you probably feel heavy and that's a problem too. Right. And then also you have like overweight where you don't have a lot of muscle and you just have a ton of body fat and that's, that's a problem too. 
Um, so honestly, to, to do this successfully, because the goal is when people are saying, I want the toned look, I want to look athletic, not too bulky, but like athletic fit. Some guys will be like, all right, I want four out of six. Give me a four pack. You know, I think I can, <laughs> I can get on board. I like that. I'm like, all right, we'll do it. not the six. Uh -huh. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but uh, the goal is having low body fat and lean muscle mass and mm -hmm. probably more than you think. When you look at guys, like if you get like a DEXA scan done, it's humbling to see how much muscle you don't have. You look at your lean body mass and a lot of times for men, it's way less than they think. Yeah, they think they have right. a lot of muscle when they're afraid of building too much. It's like, no, you just have a lot more body fat than you realize. Yeah. So all I'd say, the goal is having muscle and low body fat so that you can see those peaks and valleys. When you have low body fat, that's when you can see the shape of your muscles. Um, and for guys, you know, like 13 to 15% is a really good look. And that's an attainable goal too yeah. for men. Um, for women, 18 to 20, depends on who you are. You might want it a lot lower than that. It just depends. Right. Right. Um, and so, yeah, the, the common place when you're losing weight is to lose muscle with it. That's a problem. When you are, let's, let's say you're someone who does need to put on muscle, right? Let's say you don't have enough muscle. And I tell you, you need to put on muscle in order to get the, the toned look. You just have to know, first of all, you need to know what you're doing to put on that muscle and it's going to require the right diet and it's going to require the right training. Um, weight loss essentially can be created with diet alone. Putting on muscle only happens through training. Right. You also have to have the right diet, but you have to have the proper training. And that doesn't mean just being really active or randomly lifting weights. It means strategic training. So we are talking about at least progressive overload and periodization. So with periodization, we can get really detailed there. Overall, the macro structure, you need to have some kind of organization. You need weekly repeating routines for four to six weeks, maybe take a deload week in between if you need it, and then you get a new set of workouts. You should not be doing random workouts every time you're in the gym. That includes the people who are working with trainers. People think that their trainers you know, know what they should be doing. If you are doing random workouts every time you go to the gym with that trainer, which is very common because a lot of times they focus on entertaining their clients, which is sweet, but not productive. Those get results. Yep. Yeah. Those workouts are not productive. You should have the same weekly routine four to six weeks, you know, and then you get a new routine. Very predictable. Um, progressive overload means you should be increasing something on a week to week basis. It's not going to be with every single exercise, but either upping reps, upping sets, upping weight lifted, slowing down your reps so that there's more time under tension or even decreasing the rest time in between sets progressively challenging your body more and more. Um, and a lot of times because workouts are not organized for people, they don't even know if they are progressing from week to week. Um, and what's yeah, cool how many about people do you see tracking stuff? If you, when you go into the gym, I'm not talking about your clients, but I mean, how many people do you see in the gym just tracking things? It's, it's so rare nowadays. Right? Not as many as, or they're tracking the wrong things. You know, sometimes yeah. people are not, Maybe they're, you know, going for PRs, but just because you hit PR doesn't mean that holistically your entire program is increasing in volume. Right, right. So that's one of the big benefits of if you are an executive, if you're going to do what I just explained, great. Try it on your own and see if it works. If you're not going to organize a workout routine in that way where you have everything organized on a week-to-week -week basis, that's where you need to outsource help. That will save you time, right? By having someone set it up for you and then you just execute. The cool thing is those are the features of success when it comes to training progressive overload periodization and having also a balanced workout routine where you've got proper muscle group training. So you're not just training biceps. You're also training the opposing muscle. You're training your biceps, right? That's mm -hmm. how you don't get injured. That's how you have a nice balanced physique 
Also, if you have weaker body parts than others, you might want to hit certain things harder. This is where it can be helpful to have a coach designed program that's well-balanced and truly made for you. But long story short, those features can be put into a three or four day week routine, right? Successfully. And as long as you are following an organized routine, again, a lot of my clients are doing four day week routines. As long as those are progressing from week to week, you can see incredible results with the right diet and a four day a week routine. And you could also be seeing no results with an, an unorg- a disorganized seven day a week routine and a diet that's not strategic. Yeah. So long story short, when it comes to building muscle successfully without gaining body fat, you need to be, first of all, you need to be eating the right diet so that your body has the raw materials it needs. You need to be hitting optimal protein goals. So your body weight in grams of protein per day. And then you need to, you need a calorie range. You need some kind of calorie range so that you are gaining rate at about a half a pound per week because the human body obviously is different for new lifters versus advanced lifters. The human body can only gain about two pounds of lean muscle naturally each month. So that means you don't want to be gaining faster than half a pound per week. Otherwise you're probably gaining body fat and it's probably not muscle. So people need to realize muscle gain is slow. So if you're doing it, you need to be taking pictures each week and seeing pictures show signs of greater muscle mass. Your strength should be going up. These are the, the things that you need to be checking off if you want to make sure you're getting muscle and not just fat along with it. Um, and the scale should be going up, but only about half a pound per week. Um, and also when you weigh yourself, you can't do it once a week. You need to weigh yourself every single day and take the average from one week and compare it with the average to the next week to see really what's going on. So that is what I look for in terms of a successful lean build or lean bulk, you know. Couldn't agree more with everything you said. I want to go back and just unpack periodization a little bit because this is something that uh, I, I think is really important, especially in our day and age with technology. We have access to so many different um, exercises. You know, I can pull up TikTok, I can pull up Instagram, and I can see all of these things. And one of the most common questions I get asked by clients is they'll pull up something or I'll get a uh, a, a text, hey, what do you think about this? I was thinking about implementing this into my program. Um, in fact, I had to have a, a pretty tough conversation with one client recently that I basically just said, listen, I am aware of and of all of these exercises. I'm aware of every page. I'm aware of all of the things. And the reason those are not in your program is it's not appropriate right now. Oh, well, yeah, I was just looking to optimize. Okay, cool. Yep, I get it, but it doesn't fit. So please, let's just have some patience. Now, if you want to try some of those things, fine, have fun with them, but it's not going to optimize what we're doing. So periodization is critical. Now, I've always said that there's training and there's working out. Working out is I can get a sweat going. Training is when you have a plan, when things go through a period of, like you said, four to six weeks, and then I cycle into something different. Why is periodization so important? I mean, your muscles will get used to what you're doing. Same reason that you don't want to go into each workout with the same intensity because your muscles won't grow. You know, you want a different, different stimulus will help your muscles Yeah. Um, Yeah. Also, it allows, you know, if you're hitting a certain muscle group harder, like whatever, maybe you've got really heavy uh, leg extensions for one, one cycle, you want to give those muscles time to recover in the next one. So not doing exactly the same thing for another four to six weeks can prevent injury too. But yeah, I mean, balancing the body out, right? I mean, ideally you have symmetry. I, one of the things I did wrong uh, years and years ago is 
I would stretch to try and improve mobility and flexibility. It was the worst thing in the world. I'd even go to yoga classes. And after years of just pausing and looking at myself and thinking, okay, I've been going to yoga classes. I'm no more flexible. In fact, I have just more pain. I, I started to break it down and say, wait a minute, maybe my paradigm was wrong. And I started changing my periodization and said, okay, it's not that I have short, weak hip flexors. It's that I have weak hip flexors. Like, yes, they were short because I sat down, but I had weak hip flexors. And so what was I doing? I was stretching them and I still had issues. So I've gone through cycles for six weeks at a time where I'll rotate through different hip flexor exercises. I can bend down and touch my toes with no warm up nowadays, whereas it, 20 years ago, there's no way. And that was even with taking sometimes two to three yoga classes a week. So I got stronger on my hip flexors and that allowed my body to open up so I can just naturally bend down, touch my toes and there's no issue, right? So periodization allows for different goals to create this symmetry in the body. Talk a little bit more about when do you know, when, when you're working with a client that it's time to change, whether it's a four week or a six week timeline. I mean, that's, that's typically the the biggest, it typically we map it out for a four to six week period okay. and then we do change. But I think some of the biggest things are like, people don't have just even compound lifts down. It's so important to get strong on your right. compounds. Yeah. You know, deadlift, squat, bench, overhead press and bent over row. Yep. A lot of people are doing, I'm sure you see this all the time where they're doing a million different accessory exercises. Yep. And that's one of the big things when it comes to saving time, which is what a lot of my clients really need help with. Just like there are tweaks you can make in your kitchen that are, are not the, the main thing. It's like, oh no, I, I don't have organic spinach in my morning smoothie. Right. Great. But Who you're cares? not even protein goals. Your body can't possibly give you a transformation because it doesn't even have the basics of what it needs. We'll right. worry about organic spinach later, you know? Same thing with accessory movements or like really weird, fancy looking things in the gym. It's like a lot of times you can get so much bang for your buck with just compound movements and getting strong with those and really getting excellent on, you know, form. Um, and that's a big, huge time saver. I think yeah. the bigger, bigger time saver for people in the gym is still diet. It still comes down to like, you know, a lot of people will turn to cardio for burning calories. Yeah. How about like, here? Let, let's look at this. Right. And this is why people need to understand a little bit of the science, a little bit of the math that's involved here. Cause your body follows the science. I know I was saying this the last time we chatted, I was like screaming it actually. Someone said, yeah. <laughs> I was clip from that and I was like, your body follows the science and you're not using it. And they were like, wow, you're really passionate. I'm like, I am because yeah. Yeah. No, I understand first of all, like, okay, I I'm a business owner. I'm a single mom. Like I understand not having time just as much as anybody else does. Like I, I get it. However, the short, and I'm all for short, for short shortcuts if they actually work. Right. If yeah. the goal, yeah. is the goal and there's a real short to get shortcut to get there where you can still sustain that goal. Let's do it. Right. But mm -hmm. the shortcut is understanding some of the basic science, some of the basic math so that you can execute on those things and like hurry up and get your goals. Right. So when we're talking about losing body fat, like what does it take? Right. Because people are so confused on that. That's what people are wasting years of their life, not knowing. That's why Ozempic is so huge. People go, I don't freaking know. I give up. I don't know. Give me a shot. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, sorry, this bug. And so the question is like, how, how does it work? How do I lose body fat and keep it off? Okay. Well, your body runs on calories. Calories are energy, right? If you eat too many calories, your body has a surplus of energy. 
and it stores the surplus as body fat. If you don't eat enough calories to run your body, your body goes, oh no, I don't have enough energy. And it starts pulling from fat stores. And that's where you lose body fat. If you're eating the same amount of calories that your body needs per day to function, you're at maintenance and you'll neither gain nor lose weight. Pretty simple concept. Most people can understand that. Yep. Question is, how do I lose body fat? Like, how do I lose a pound? Show me how to do that. 3,500 calories is a pound of body fat lost. When you burn off from maintenance and you burn off an additional 3,500 calories, you will lose a pound of body fat. Again, you need to focus on other things like retaining muscle that's done through eating enough protein and also resistance training and following the kind of strategic training we just talked about. That's important, but you need to burn off 3,500 extra calories and you lose a pound of body fat. Let's look at a week. We've got seven days in a week. If you're going to aim for one pound of fat loss per week, which is great and doable, um, I would have my clients aim for one to two. You don't want to lose too rapidly because if you lose, if you start getting into the three pound range and you're not in the very beginning, in the very beginning, weight falls off very quickly for a lot of reasons. But right, let's right. Your program. rate of loss, you don't want to get too far above two because then you are losing muscle, right? You can only lose body fat so fast. You can only gain muscle so fast. So you mm -hmm. have to know the rates to make sure you're doing the right thing and you're not, you know, shooting yourself in the foot. So let's say you're trying to lose a, a pound of fat per week, 3,500 calories spread out over a week. You need to be negative 500 calories from your maintenance calories per day. And you, that will add up to 3,500 calories burned over the week. So 500 calories, that is, that is a small amount of food, which makes right. it doable. That's a very doable deficit. But also if you're not tracking your food, how do you even know? How could you possibly know? That's like a couple granola bars, you know, two cliff bars and you're there. That's 500 calories. But Molly, it's too hard. It's too hard for me to track my calories. It, 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 here's the thing. <laughs> when people go, and I get it, right? Like when people go, I don't have time to track. No, you don't have time to track if it's not going to get you anywhere. Right. Um, yeah, you can track with, you know, if you pop a bite of food in your mouth before that bite is gone, you have time to track that meal. Yeah. But people are right. They don't have time to track something that's not going to get them anywhere. That's really what people mean when they're like, I don't have time to track food. You don't know what to track. And when you've tracked in the past, it hasn't gotten you anywhere. That's what people really need to say is I, I will do this if it gets me to my goals. And if I'm not having to micromanage a thousand different things, and the truth is it's not, you know, you need to, you need to track everything, but the targets that people really need to keep an eye on are typically pretty simple. It's going to be a couple things for each person, definitely protein, definitely need to know a calorie range. It's important. And then there might be like a couple other things for people to keep an eye on. And that is unique to the, to each person, but um, yeah. It's a simple formula. And the way I've always said it is you think about it, like if you were going to go into the kitchen, bake some bread, uh, or you had a recipe that you were going to make for dinner tonight, and you read through the cookbook and it says, okay, a teaspoon of this, a half a teaspoon of that, a tablespoon of this, and a cup of that. And you said, ah, the hell with it. I'm not tracking anything. You just start throwing things in the bowl. Well, whatever you get out, you get out and it's going to taste horrible and it's not going to look good. And the body is the same way. So I love how you say your body follows the science because it does. You can either learn the science and make it useful, or you can ignore the science and you're just going to be doughy boy. So, <laughs> so if you want to not be Mr. Doughboy, then you say, well, wait a minute, what's the recipe that it takes in order to not be Mr. Doughboy? Well, like you said, you got to start with calories because I don't care whether you like calories or not. It's the dumbest thing when people say, well, I don't like calories. Oh, okay. Okay. 
So do you not like miles? Because that's a measurement of distance. Do you not like gallons? That's a measurement of liquid. A calorie is just a measurement of energy. It's a measurement of heat. Why would you not like that? It's stupid, right? I never get mad when I have to drive somewhere and say, oh, I drove uh, 1.2 miles. I'm so mad about that. No, it's dumb, right? Yeah. I, uh, it's, so you have to understand the calories. Then if you want the body composition, so we're making a recipe here, then you have to go to the protein, right? The protein's got to be there. It's got to be important. And then, as you said, there might be one or two other things that people have to think about, but it is simple, easy, not necessarily. But we, I will say with the technology that we have today, it is so much more easy. I utilize the MyFitnessPal app. I oftentimes, if I am uh, eating something that has a barcode on it, which isn't often because I just eat mostly whole food type stuff, I'll scan the barcode. It'll bring everything up. Boom. Done. Right. Yeah. It's so simple. And like you said, before you can even chew and swallow the food, you can track your meal. I've been doing this for years and I can tell you it's not that hard. Right. Super, super simple. What are other myths that you hear? What are some other things that people tell you where you just look at them and say, no, 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 let's get on the same page here. It's not that. I mean, I don't know about myths, but I think that Ozempic, like a big, huge trending topic these days is Ozempic and the belief that it is a long-term long-term quick fix. Let's talk about why it's not. Because this is one we haven't even touched on in the uh, podcast yet. I've been holding off on it because I want to have a good intelligent conversation about it. Uh, And sometimes it's hard for me to have a really good intelligent conversation when I feel so passionately about something. So let's jump into it. So, I mean, for, for us as coaches, like obviously the surface level, like emotion there is you guys like learn, learn how to take care of yourselves, right? Right. Worth learning a little bit about health. Look at all the love, other things. Love yourself first. Gosh, I mean, if you're on if you're on social media, which if you're watching this, you are, you have the time to like study your health a bit, like learn learn how some of the stuff works as opposed to, you know, just going for a shot. Um, that is how we feel, right? But again, right, I think right. that why people try it, and I'm sure we both know people who who are on it or who are trying it, right? Is because they go, I've tried other things, it didn't work. I can't spend any more time doing things that don't work. Also, I don't have a whole lot of brain space left to do research on finding a method that works. And also I don't have a whole lot of time to spend on a method that works. Yeah. And I think, first of all, I know I have now heard four stories of people who have tried it. One person was one person's son tried it and he was a non-responder because of oh interesting. With his like genetic makeup, did not respond to it. Wow. Okay like 300 pounds. So these are the people who need it to work. It didn't work. Um, no, two other people who tried it and feel extremely sick, like in, in pain, gastrointestinal pain. Um, and then, uh, another person is currently on it, not doing anything and actually. And then someone's husband took it, did lose 30 pounds plateaued and has another 30 pounds to lose. And now what, now, where do you go? Because yeah. there's no strategy involved, right? Right. Once you're taking it, you're taking it and either works or it doesn't. So, so far, and that is, I, the truth is there are a lot of success, success stories out there. Okay. Right. Like, it's not like these people are all lying. I'm sure there are plenty of case studies where people have lost weight. However, yep. clearly not a guarantee to work. Uh, if it does, there's probably going to be some issues. And like we've been talking about with body composition, 
it creates a huge problem because nothing, no part of it can make you gain or retain muscle. It is nothing about it will do that for you. And a lot of people need to build muscle as much as they need to lose body fat. Yep. And so that is a huge piece of the picture that's not being addressed by Ozempic. Also, if people learned a little bit about how it, how it does work for people, it slows the gastric rate of emptying. So that just means it slows down how quickly food leaves your stomach. Yeah. Essentially what it's doing is it's not making you burn more calories. It's not doing, it's not melting body fat. Like the only thing it's doing when it works is it's slowing down how, how fast food leaves your stomach. People are feeling fuller and they're eating less. It's a very basic concept. And the reason why it's important to understand how it works is because when we talk about things like protein, I teach my clients something called the protein protocol. I literally want to write a book on it, but we've got protein that can lower your hunger. Protein slows down the gastric rate of emptying. It does the same thing. Exact same um, thing. And people go, oh, protein does, I tried protein. No, you didn't. I guarantee you didn't hit optimal amounts of protein. Also, sometimes when it comes to protein, it is powerful. It's a huge, you've, you've got to optimize for eating more protein in your diet. It is one of the easiest things to learn how to do long-term. Because then you're on autopilot for retaining lean muscle, for losing body fat. 30% of calories that you eat in protein are burned off through digestion. That's like right. automatic. It's an easy button. If there were to be an easy button with getting into better shape and also getting leaner and more toned, it's protein, right? So yep. Yep. if you focus on that as a, a shift to make with your eating, you will be in better shape long-term. It's worth doing. Sometimes people need help in knowing how to do that. Like, where does the protein come from? And that's why... I start off with a nutrition audit so I can see where they're already eating protein. I can point at the lean protein sources in their diet already and be like, all right, forget about doing anything new. Just eat more of these things that you're already eating. Eat more yeah. of these. Um, so sometimes it's it's just practical suggestions like that. But um, a lot of times people, again, aren't doing the basic things they could be doing to lower their hunger in natural ways. Fiber is huge too. More protein, more fiber. And a lot of times it, it I call, about, call it automatic portion control because people automatically eat less. It's really hard to, when you're eating protein and fiber together, it's really hard to overeat. I want to go back to and unpack a little bit about what you said with the gastric emptying uh, with Ozempic and some of these other uh, you know, semaglutide uh, type shots and pills and whatnot. So let's talk about what we know. What we know is that every time there has been a pharmaceutical solution towards weight loss, it has failed miserably in the long run. And not only failed miserably in the long run, but it has caused so many issues for people. I mean, think about FenFen. Think about like everything. Go back and look at every pharmaceutical solution. They've all failed miserably. Did they get quick results? Yes. How is this one working? Well, let's talk about the other thing we know. So it lowers the rate of gastric emptying. So I always, I joke about it, that it's basically making you constipated in your stomach. It's blocking things up so that it doesn't move out. And so then what does it do? It makes you eat less. So what's the mechanism? Well, there's nothing specific or, or, or excuse me, there's nothing uh, um, sensational, novel. right? Novel about it. You're eating less calories. But the problem is, is you're eating so many less calories that you will crash down your yes you're losing body fat but you will also lose lean tissue and so if let's say that you have 30 pounds to lose and you lose 30 pounds the the science shows that if you lose it fast you could be losing as much as a one-to-one -one ratio if not maybe a one to 0.5 ratio right of fat to muscle or lean tissue and so if you're going down and let's say that you lose 30 pounds 
And 20 of that comes from fat, 10 comes from lean. Or heck, even if it's, you know, 25 from fat and five from lean, you're still five lean less, which means if you're five pounds of lean muscle less than what you had before, for every pound of muscle, you have lost the ability to burn at least six calories per hour for the rest of your life until you can put that back on. Now, if you've ever tried to put muscle on, you know how difficult it is to put muscle on. And so if you lose that, you've now lost the ability to burn those calories until you can get that muscle put back on. And so automatically, you have become a fat storage machine. So this pill, this shot that you're taking is making you a fat storage machine. The science has never changed. These guys did not come up with something that's unique and novel. They just said, let's figure out a way to trick your body to eat less so that we can put you on this massive caloric restriction. You're going to lose weight. You're going to feel like a million bucks. And then a year from now, you're, you might be the same weight, but you're going to be fatter, fluffier, jigglier than what you were before. And also if people are eating a whole lot less and they don't have a nutrient dense diet, which none of them will because they haven't learned anything. No. no. It, they're probably in poor health. I think long-term we're going right. to see issues come from this because you absolutely, yeah, if you're eating very little, you could be at risk for nutrient deficiencies that cause real problems, real health problems. You know um, who loves this though is orthopedic surgeons. Yeah. Because what happens is it keeps them in business. You know, if I lose 20 pounds and um, the majority of it, or I mean, some of it comes from muscle loss, muscle is what protects our joints, right? If I'm strong, my joints are going to be protected. I'm going to be strong. Uh, not just from a muscular standpoint, but my joints will be strong. So if I'm losing muscle over time and then I gain more fat, I am the perfect candidate for hip replacement, knee replacement, shoulder replacement, like all the pain, all the back pain, you know, um, it, it, it's all there. So yeah, of course, doctors are pushing, pushing this stuff, it keeps them in business. Yeah. And That's we're ridiculous. talking about, no, I completely agree. And we're talking about shortcuts. The shortcut getting yeah. strength and losing body fat. That is the shortcut, right? Because it's sort of this upward spiral. And it's so cool. I love the first couple of weeks are really fun when when guys try the method that I teach them because yeah. they're experiencing instead of making a trade for their, you know, being in better shape, often they have traded their energy or their time or their health or their yeah. strength for losing weight. This time they're gaining strength, losing body fat getting their time back, gaining their health back. And that feels good. You know, that's where they go. And it's, you know, they'll, that's how they say it. It's like, they're like, I, I feel like I finally found it. Like, this is going to, this is the solution. So. So yeah. one of the things that we talked about before we hit record is that, um, so guys are struggling, you know, that's one of the main reasons why that, that is the main reason why I started this podcast. You know, I, I think I've mentioned this before. I don't know how deep I've gone into it, but, um, I frankly have been sick of going to funerals of people that I know that had decided that life was just too difficult and they took their own life. I am in pain seeing and hearing from men who are so confused, who don't know what to do, who have lost their humanity, their masculinity. They struggle. And then when it comes to being in shape versus not being in shape, they, they don't... Number one, they don't know what to do. Number two, they get lost and they're told so many different things. 
I, I think it's time that we come back to just being real, intellectually honest about what it's going to take, not only to get in great shape, but to develop yourself into the man that you want to be. You made a couple of really interesting points before we started the uh, recording, uh, talking about you know, the, the difference between men and women and, and relationships. And I'd like to tap into that if that's okay. Let's do it. <laughs> We're not the same, right? Men, women, like, I don't care what people say. We're just not. And we don't want to be the same. I don't no. want to be the same. <laughs> I, I don't want to be a woman. I, I've been told so many times, well, you know, lean into the vulnerability, lean in, you know, all that kind of stuff. It's like, okay, cool. I get where you're going from or coming from, like, I understand that, but I'm a guy, right? That, and being a guy doesn't mean that I'm not in touch with my feeling or my emotion. I am like 100% I am. Now, how I express that is, is relevant to me and to being masculine, but Molly, tell our listeners what you told me before we started, because I think it's important for men to hear this, not just from my perspective. They need to hear it from somebody that's on the other uh, other side of the fence. Right. And like I was saying, like I am, I am an alpha female. I'm I'm probably I have probably have a lot of masculine traits, but even with that, like I still want to be a submissive female. That's that's like the relationship dynamic. And they have a lot of studies on this. Not like what's trending on your newsfeed, not these, you know, crap you see on TikTok, but like. Yeah. Truthfully, what works for healthy long-term relationship dynamics, there is a male role and there's a female role and the female role is submissive and supportive. Doesn't mean you can't run a business. Doesn't mean that you don't have stuff going in your life. Um, doesn't mean you're just like useless, but ultimately we like men to be in charge, men to be leaders, men to be, yeah. you know, leading the way and deciding this is the plan. Will you support me on this? And so for females, it's really important that you respect the guy that you are pairing up with and that's on you. So mm -hmm. gosh, lots to say, but yeah, if, first of all, women, if you're complaining about the guy that you're with, did you choose the right person? Did you choose someone who reflects your values? Cause that's your job and that's your responsibility. That's why anytime there is a breakup, anytime there's a divorce, as much as you want to point at your ex and be like, it's them, 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 them. You, if, if that is your scenario and you're complaining, if you're either in a relationship that you're complaining about, or you've gotten out of one, you're complaining no one made you enter that. Yeah. That is, first of all, women need to look at themselves and we need to decide who we're pairing up with and get very serious about that. A lot of times if we're picking the wrong partner, it's because we have not done enough work on ourselves. You attract exactly, I mean, exactly what you are. So that's, that's a good thing, right? Because that gives us more control of being able to find relationships that we really love. Yeah, um, right. And that doesn't mean that like you have to be a perfect finished complete person it's just you need to know your values and you need to find someone else with those same values so that you are going in this a similar direction you need, you need to be on similar trajectories so that's why when you find someone with similar values you both could be sort of in the beginning of your journeys or the beginning of your businesses but if you have the same values you will be willing to work on things in the same way and you're going to be going in the same direction and that can be awesome as opposed to someone you have totally opposite values and you're going to always be going in different directions or conflicting with each other um but yeah, for like, for women and men, um, I think, you know what it is? It's almost, it's not that we don't want men to be emotional because that 
we like hearing about men's emotions, especially if it's a man that we respect, then we, we, we enjoy hearing that. Right. Yeah. Right. Um, we like being loved on, uh, you know, that's great. We love being treated well. We love to be loved. Right. It's an order of operations that we want to see happen first. So we want to see men have a mission, know his mission, work on himself and that mission. And then we want to be invited along. We want the invite to support him on that. Yeah. And again, that's making sure that we are choosing someone that we believe in their mission. And the the pressure on guys is to stop getting distracted. Like you, you need, you need a purpose, you need a mission and you need to be clear on that. And if you're not probably not the right time to be in a relationship, again, doesn't mean that you have to have your business. doesn't mean you have to be making millions of dollars. You just need to know what your purpose is and, and know what that is and spend time doing that. And if you don't know what that is, spend the time to do that. Right. That, that yeah, is do the deep work. Yeah. And, and, you know, it, it takes failing sometimes, um, mm-hmm. but yep. invest in yourself. Spend your money on investing in yourself. That's the single most important thing is, is, is to work on that, right? And to at least get clarity on what that is so that you can be going in a meaningful direction. Guys need meaning from their purpose and then they can create meaning with relationships around that. But if they're not clear on that, they're going to constantly be pairing up with women to hopefully make them feel better. And then as soon as they feel better, they go, oh, this woman has no use in my life. Like I actually don't need this person anymore because now I feel better. And it creates this, this vicious cycle of getting into relationships for the wrong reasons. And if you look at the right order of operations, so a guy who knows himself well enough to, to start on his journey, on his mission, then he can, first of all, identify women that are going to be a good fit for supporting that mission. And that's good. And then a female in that kind of dynamic feels like, great, he's focused on his stuff. I'm safe here to support this person. Yeah. When you start with the man focusing on the woman above everything else, it actually doesn't feel safe for us. We actually don't want, of course, we want attention. Again, we want to be loved. We want attention. That's great. We want to be known for, for, you know, I think a lot of intellectual women, we want to be known and like understood. We want the guy to like pay attention to who we are, not just what we look like, but who we are. Yeah. Um, And that's great, but it's an order of operations. He needs to know his mission first and be very focused on that. And then again, and then we can be submissive and supportive in that doesn't mean that we can't run a business too. You know, you can, there's room for a lot, but it's really an order of operations that creates a healthy, safe dynamic uh, where we're in the proper roles and it feels good. And doesn't yeah. mean that that's perfect either. It doesn't guarantee a perfect relationship, but at least there's a chance there, you know? Much more of a chance, right? Because then there's there's appropriate roles and responsibilities and men have got to learn to become leaders. It's amazing to me as I go out and I lecture to uh, corporations, how many men are shying away from just leaning into becoming a leader and whether it's in, in their personal life, in their work space and leadership skills. I mean, they're just, they're critical. You have to learn them. You have to understand them and you have to get good at these skills. Just like we were talking about before, when you, when you brought up compound exercises, if you don't know how to bench press well, you don't know how to squat. You're not focusing on your deadlift. You haven't mastered those. I've always said, you if you don't know how to do the basics, you shouldn't graduate to anything else. And you don't, you don't deserve, you don't earn, or you have to earn the right to do the ancillary exercises. Um, it's the same thing in leadership. If you don't understand the basics of leadership, you should not be able to graduate into a, a any type of relationship where you could be or should be leading anything like you just haven't, you haven't earned it. So you've got to work on yourself. You have to do the deep work. Um, 
I was having a conversation with a client today. He brought up deep work and he says, no, I know you get it, but I'm around a lot of guys in business that don't get it. They don't understand. They don't realize that they have to do this deep work. And so then it just constantly becomes this ego thing. And I think this is where the the concept of that has been thrown around way too much now. And it's just outdated. We got to throw it away is this idea of toxic masculinity. What it is basically is just this ego, right? It's when somebody doesn't have what it takes to back it up. Now you can be completely humble and confident at the same time. You can say, well, I'm going to try this. I I hope to hell it's going to work. Maybe it's not. I might fall flat on my face, but the one thing I know is I'll get back up and I'll keep going, right? You can have humility along the way. The ego doesn't necessarily need to be there and, you know, to the point where it can't fit in the door with you. But you got to be strong. You got to have leadership qualities. You, yeah, you, know, you know what else is interesting? It's almost like the the shortcut is doing the work. Yeah, that is and the shortcut. Right? Yeah. But here's here's the thing, though. Whether it's like being a leader in a company, whether it's becoming good at anything requires admitting, I don't know how to do it. Yeah. So like, yeah. So, okay. So getting to your like finished complete state, like being embodying true leadership is doing the work. We know that that's really a shortcut, right? It's the only way to do it. Doing the work requires having the right mentors. Honestly, you have to learn it. And so another place people mess up. Sometimes people will be like, yeah, do the work. Like I'm all for doing the work. But then you look at what they're doing and like in a fitness sense, it would be the guys going, yeah, do the work. Like, like don't, don't be a pansy. Right go to the gym seven days a week, put in two hour workouts. It's like, that's where you messed up because doing the the real work is actually doing whatever you need to do to learn what, what a strategy is in the gym. And no, doing the work is not seven days a week, tons of cardio and lifting weights for three hours. Right. It's getting educated on how to do it intelligently. So for some people that might mean hiring a mentor, uh, or if you have time to read books, read books on it, but like, Sometimes people, I think men can get caught up in like the doing the work thing and they go, I'm doing the work. And it's like, you're doing work, but you're not doing the work. You're not doing right work. And that I think is really important that if something's not working, first of all, if you're not doing any work, then yes, start to do the work. But if you are doing work and you're not reaching your goals, it's not the right work. And that's where you really have to drop your ego. And it's hard. I think it's hard for people who are also like born leaders sometimes to ditch the ego and be like, I know I have what it takes. I know I meant to achieve that, but like, also, I don't know what I'm doing and I'm going to have to have someone teach me. That's yeah. really what the work is sometimes. I loved how you said mentorship and, and, and books. I, so I've read a lot of books over the years. I've listened to a lot of audio books and I would say this after reading, I don't know how many hundreds of books or listening to how many hundreds of books, I would say that hiring a coach or a mentor is the best investment you can ever make. In fact, I look at all the coaches and mentors that I've had over the years. I've learned more from them in short uh, time periods than I have in reading multiple books. Now, I just, I read because I enjoy reading. But what I've done over the years is I've gotten to the point where I'll read for enjoyment or I read for science, right? So if, if I'm learning the science of something, whether it's biochemistry biomechanics, kinesiology, or uh, something having to do with business or finance. I'll read to understand the science of it, right? The code, what's the code that I'm trying to go after? But if I want to accomplish something, I hire a mentor. Because I can tell you, you know, I had an opportunity early in my career 
to train with uh, two-time Mr. Olympia, Larry Scott. He was the very first Mr. Olympia. And I learned more in just a few hours with him than I've learned in 25 years of being in the health and fitness industry and all the books that I read. I worked with uh, Frank Zane, who was a three-time Mr. Olympia. Uh, again, learned more from him in a few hours than I learned in multiple books that I, that I had ever read in order to, like, how do you craft and shape your body? Uh, same thing with my, my good friend and mentor, Ron Williams, who is a six or a seven time natural Mr. Olympia learn more from him than I have multiple books. So I couldn't agree more. Hire people who have been there, hire someone who knows how to get you there and then support it with code, support it with the science, learn the science. When, when a Molly tells you, this is what's happening inside of your body. Go pick up the science book. Don't go pick up some, you know, dipshit book that tells you that whatever their new plan is for weight loss. As if they've invented something that is going to make your body behave differently. Nothing is being invented. It's already here, right here. I think what mentors do that speeds up the process. You've got to, to reach success. You have to do enough of the right things that move you towards that thing. And you have to also stop doing the wrong things that are holding you. So much yeah. of success is just avoiding the wrong things, just not doing yeah. it wrong. It's yeah. typically very simple. I mean, the suck less. Yeah, but stop yeah. chasing things that are really not helping you. So I think that's where like books books can show you the the path, but like mentors will show you where you're messing up. Yeah, and that, that's essential too. That's just as important. I think that's what really expedites the process when you have a mentor. You can't create that perspective on your own. You can't yeah. check. Couldn't couldn't agree more. Molly, question for you. Who, who's inspiring you right now? I mean, as far as people that I'm like, listen, you know, Huberman. Huberman, I like who I've been listening to more. I've been, yeah. Um, He's Lane pretty Norton, fascinating. First of all, Lane Norton, I got to go to one of his events earlier this year. Uh, I really respect. He has, I think his book is called Forever, Fat Loss Forever. Okay. There's so many great basic principles in that book um that are that are the truth and that are very simply mapped out so if people were to read a book that would be a good one to see how your body works right um and he i don't know if you follow any of his social media stuff he's yeah he pulls his hair out if he hears some of you know some kind of crap paul Paul saladino stuff i love when i love watching him react poorly to paul saladino (laughs) Here's the thing though. Sometimes the Paul Saladino like diet can work really well for people. And this is where like, you need a mentor to be like, all right, here are the basics. We have to do these things. Right. But also we're going to fine tune this to you to where it feels the best for you. Some people do really well. So can't be too black or white in one way or another, but anyway, the big thing is most people aren't doing the basics. And so that's like the first step. Um, Huberman is great. Here's the deal though. Huberman has so much information. Like it is information like extrapolated. I yeah. mean, yeah. yes. Like right now I'm listening to one of his things on like behaviors and habits and, and reaching goals because a lot of my clients want to reach goals. The problem with Huberman is that like with my clients anyway, is that we need to streamline things. So sometimes oh, 100%. to like things that are extrapolated and then refining them into, okay, what are like some key takeaways that these people can actually do on a daily basis? Yeah, um, of course he's great. I like Huberman because he, I feel like he is, I mean, there's so much research nowadays. Like people are used to hearing things from pharmaceutical companies, like you said, but like, there are so many therapies. 
I mean, just there's a lot out there that we have like seen in one light and we might not be right about it. And Huberman is basically uh, educating, just educating based on the science, not on like things that we thought were maybe true, but like, he's basically going, here's the science. And when it comes to drugs too, like, it's so interesting how there's so many pharmaceutical drugs that we see as okay, because we've been told that they're okay. The truth is if you look at them, they're harmful. There's a lot of side effects. Meanwhile, there's some like other natural alternatives or other supplements that we might not know about that are just as powerful as pharmaceutical drugs with less downsides. And I think Huberman is doing a really good job of kind of like removing the um, stereotypes from things and being like, these things could be great tools. I don't know. I just I, I'm with you on that. I, I've really enjoyed his stuff. And I, he, he's one where um, I don't think he's necessarily a polarizing guy because I think he just presents facts really well, opposite. right? In fact, the opposite. he just, yeah, he, he kind of just lays it all out there. He's like, hey, here's what you think. Here's what you should do. I, the, the polarizing effect that I've seen um, for people who are not uh, experts or not professionals in the field is that they'll try to do everything that he says. Right. And so there's the joke of the, the Huberman man. And it's like, they get up at this time, they get the sunshine at this time, they get the three minutes. Right. So it's a lot to take on. And so three that's where, morning. yeah, there's like, if you've got, if your morning routine takes 50 steps, it's like, Oh boy. Yeah. It's probably a little too much. Like I, I timed myself the other day because every morning I do the same routine and I was just curious. I'm like, how long does my cold bath actually take? Cause I don't really time it. But I was yeah. curious. I timed myself and I'm in about two minutes and 20 seconds. So, you know, if I was a uh, a staunch Huberman follower, I would say, no, I have to be in there for three minutes plus. But it's about two minutes and 20 seconds for me to get in my cold bath because I don't I don't like go sit and soak in a cold bath. I use my cold bath like I'm trying to maximize my time. My cold bath is like when I bathe. I don't shower. I bathe in my cold bath and nice. I use that time. It's that's my that's my little hack. So it's about two minutes, 20 seconds. So I'm probably leaving 40 seconds on the table every day. I don't know if it's making a difference, but uh, who, who's been a pivotal person in your life recently? Who's been a person that has helped you to continue to grow and evolve? Well, Samim Rouhani is the guy that taught me how to lift weights and also taught me more about the executive online consulting model. So yeah, Love that. definitely. Yeah. If if our listeners were to only take away one thing from our conversation today, what what would you wish that it would be? Mm, I mean, honestly, just learn about calories and protein. I feel like I feel like the more the more we have all these crazy drugs and these crazy diets and stuff, like the more I I will always preach science. Like you just need to be wise. If you're on social media and you're spending time on TikTok and Instagram and wherever else, trying to search for knowledge, you need to know that nothing new is being created with how your body responds to food. There right. is just, and I, and I will be the person that doesn't have a name for my method. You know what I mean? Like, I just want people to really understand that, that, yeah, you need to calories and protein are really important. Again, the biggest fat loss hack of all time is your body weight in grams of protein per day. Again, I do want to write a book on called the protein protocol that teaches people again, how impactful protein is on improving your body composition and helping you rapidly drop body fat. I mean, it is the shortcut. Yeah. Um, also yeah. the shortcut for long-term health that is good. So absolutely worth doing. And I, I want to, you know, talk more on that at some point, but yeah, body weight and grams of protein per day, eat it first and see what happens. Yeah. Love that. Yep. And, and, and again, I think we said this last time, but like mentorship, here's the deal, you know, 
if you're at the end of your rope and you're going, okay, I have spent plenty of years, plenty of months being in a body that I do not like, right? Maybe you were in shape before and you fell out of shape and you haven't been able to get back into it. Or maybe you've never been in shape and you've been 20 pounds above your goal weight for a long time. And you are serious about reaching your goals without wasting more time and without trying things that don't work. Um, invest in mentorship. And when you're looking at what coach to hire or what mentor to hire, look at who they've helped. Quit looking at these, you know, fitness people on Instagram and it's only them, you know, yeah, if you yeah. hire a coach and it's great to follow people. I follow fitness people all the time. Are you kidding me? It's great to be inspired. That's fantastic. Aim, aim high, yep. you know, yep. um, I'm not a body positivity person. If the goal is to get into better shape, aim high, right? Like mm -hmm. look at the people you want to look like. Um, but when it comes to hiring a coach or a mentor, hire someone who is experienced with helping people just like you. So if you have lifestyle factors, yes. if you're an executive, look for a coach that's not in person in a gym, look for a coach that knows how to work with people who travel, right. love, love crazy schedules. So look at their case studies. Um, and then once you find that coach, invest. If it's expensive, still invest because the most expensive thing and the thing that's not worth it is spending time, energy, and money on methods that don't really work. Um, spending more years in a body that you don't like that you can't get back, right? So when it comes down to it, if you know you've found the right person, invest in that and it is that is the shortcut. And and also that's typically the, the cheaper option in the long run if it's actually solving your problem. By far, by and, far. And you need a coach that knows, and this is why I do what I do, you need a coach that is giving you both the training piece and the nutrition piece. Training is not just a trainer in a gym. That's not giving you organized workouts. Training is that workout organization. And it is flexibility to go with you where you go. If you travel with yeah. nutrition, nutrition is not just hiring a nutritionist that tells you to eat more healthy food. Nutrition is again, learning things like your protein targets so that your body can transform. It's also teaching you how to eat in a way that still gives you success when you're traveling or eating out a lot that's learning like lifestyle nutrition that works. So um, yeah, just knowing how to invest in the right things that are really going to shorten the timeline for reaching goals and sustaining results. Yeah. Buy one watch, not 20, right? Buy the watch that's going to last for your entire life and you can pass down rather than 20 that are going to break throughout your entire lifetime. That's the way I always talk about it is if you invest in quality that's relative to your life, it is so much cheaper. It is extremely expensive to not invest in yourself and not invest in your, in your health. Well, folks, and on that note, it is time for us to wrap up another episode of the evolved man. Molly, thank you so much for coming back on. It's a uh, great, great to have you back and sharing your knowledge and wisdom. I know we could continue to go on for hours and hours because you've got so much knowledge. Um, but if people want to continue to follow you, get more information from you or figure out uh, how do you coach people, where's the best place for them to go? Instagram would be Molly Makes Muscle and then executivefitnesssolutions.com is my website. So I've got lots of good stories and stuff on there too. Or my Love YouTube that. channel, yeah. Molly Makes Muscle on YouTube. <laughs> Love that. We'll uh, we'll link those in the show notes. And uh, uh, we want to make sure that people can uh, continue to, to follow you and connect with you. So thanks so much again for coming on. And hey, evolutionaries, remember that it does take time and consistency to evolve. But first, you have to disrupt. And now it's time for you to get out there and evolve. Thanks for joining me for this episode of The Evolved Man. If you're learning from and gaining value from this podcast, please subscribe to The Evolved Man newsletter, where I can support you even more in your evolution. I want to help you reverse engineer your success. 
The Evolved Man newsletter is like getting a free coaching session with me every week to keep you moving forward on your path to personal success. Go to theevolvedmanpodcast.com to sign up today. If you found value in this episode, you can give us up to a five-star rating on Apple and Spotify and share it with your network. That's the best way to support the podcast so we can continue to get on great guests and provide you this amazing free content. Until next time, keep evolving.